0: Right. What's up, everybody? Welcome. Welcome to the Comet ML Office Hours powered by the Artists of Data Science. Thank you guys for being so patient as we work through some technical difficulties on our end. But I'm glad you guys are here and I'm so happy you guys were, were patient and bear with us. Um, Iodeli is out today, so it's just going to be uh, us. Hopefully you guys don't mind just having me around. How's everybody doing this, this, uh, this Sunday afternoon? evening morning what's whatever time of day it is for you guys uh, you guys are most of you guys are in europe some of you guys are other parts of the world i know jaya kenya. kenya wow and,
1: and hey we had this time saving tonight
0: oh you guys so tonight. all right so for me it's 6 p.m again after two yeah. weeks <laughs> huh. it's interesting time zone stuff man hey well happy to have you guys here let's go ahead and let's get started man anybody got any questions on anything any comments anybody want to want to tell me about what's going on with their lives
2: i have a a question related to not to data science but more of a laptop computer question so this, okay. it's kind of So I'm trying to get a laptop uh, for to do data science work, deep learning work, you know, training models and stuff. So is it good to have dual operating system and those two are Ubuntu and Windows 10? Is that good to have dual operating system or or is it better to just stick with Windows?
0: So my laptop at work. So, I mean, personal life, I'm always like I'm a Mac guy, like you know that's that's my go-to because i like working out of linux type of operating environment but at work they did not get, let me get a mac so they got me a pc instead and that pc is just one operating system that boots up and that's windows but with windows within windows i all my work that i do is out of uh, the windows subsystem for linux and um, that is ubuntu uh 20, 20 20.06 or something like that yeah uh, yeah mine's 20.04 i should increment it up a little bit but um it's not necessarily dual uh, boot, but it's it's just a not it's not even like a virtual environment, but it's just it's the the Linux environment running a, a kernel, so to speak, on oh. the PC. So uh, that's what I do, and it works perfectly fine. Just because I don't know, I'm not I'm not an expert in, in in this either, but I do know that working Python environments out of Windows can get messy. Not everything will play nicely, um, but yeah, Windows Subsystem is one way to go about doing that. Which is pretty easy. Oh, to so
2: uh, okay. So Python works better on Linux system, you feel, or uh, like yeah. on Ubuntu yeah. operating system. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I see.
0: Yeah. um so and the thing is when you have windows subsystem for linux on your machine like you'll primarily be operating out of the command line there's not like a a virtual like a a graphic user interface that you will work out of it's just a just command line and you'll go in there you'll open up whatever environment you need if you're using jupyter notebook you'll open it from there but then it'll the jupyter notebook will open on your windows browser um, Mm -hmm. but it'll be doing all the computation out of that Windows subsystem.
2: I see. Because I'm thinking about getting the Tensor Book, Lambda Tensor Book, and it has, and and, yeah, and and it has Ubuntu and, and Windows 10 operating system. So I have an option of either taking both or Or just choose one or the other so i was going to do both but then uh you know i I had this someone was telling telling me that you know with when windows 10 would have an up when i have an update it it messes up uh the other operating system or something like that i don't know how true that is but uh yeah especially when there's a windows update or something
0: yeah i mean that could be possible um I, i see christoph uh has a question here you're, oh, he's just saying he's not qualified to answer this question with a smiley face. I don't know if that's you are qualified or you just no. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I I'd, I'd say just work straight up one one boot that's the Windows boot and then do all of your work, your data science work out of the Windows subsystem for Linux because using the Windows subsystem for Linux, you can use the Windows file explorer to explore your files in um, in the, the subsystem. Okay, so, so just,
2: just, just just better it's to seamless. do Windows 10 and, yeah. and have Linux inside of it.
0: Yeah, it's completely seamless um, to do that. But I mean, you might want to look at maybe, I mean, it's completely up to you. Maybe if you don't want to spend the thousands and thousands of dollars on a laptop, you can always do something out of like Google Colab and just mm-hmm. rent computation Time from them, which is pretty cheap, and you know, depending on your okay. circumstances, might be more financially viable to do that. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're not right, just right, doing crazy computations all the time. So
2: right, yeah, I'm just thinking if I'm going to spend money on a laptop because I do need to get one pretty soon. So I thought, oh, should I, should I, should I just spend? trying to spend money and get a good one and then just do my work all there for a few years you know so yeah, i mean that's
0: what i'm kind of i always say get a good laptop i mean i'm a, I'm a mac fanboy now i used to be all about the windows but a few years ago i switched over to mac and i'm like oh this is so much better i love it i love working okay. out of macs yeah so okay. yeah but I me mean, with the windows subsystem it's just it's that's fine um you just got to get comfortable working out the command line okay yeah Right on. All right. Uh, so yeah, what's up, everybody else? Anybody got any questions? We can uh, go for it. I see somebody new here, Miss Sab, Miss Ba. Sorry, Miss ab Miss Ba. Hi,
3: hi. How are you doing? Yes, I am Miss Ba. How's it going? How could I? How could I help
0: you, man? You got any questions or anything?
3: Yes, uh, uh, I. Want- learn data science that's why I want China you and learn from you uh, I I don't know that how continue my journey for as a data scientist I learned so much from uh, YouTube from different websites and from youtube from udemy and I learned python and different thing but I uh, yet didn't complete the complete course of uh, data science that's why I don't have a complete roadmap and uh, complete uh, yeah complete roadmap that's why I don't think think
0: there's not a complete roadmap to become a data scientist. There's not like a step-by-step guy that says do this and do this and do this. Then all of a sudden you're a data scientist. You need to start doing something. So it's one thing just to go through and take all the courses and get exposed to all that stuff. That's great. You need to have the foundations, but ultimately you need to apply what you have learned, right? Because the doing encompasses a lot of things, right? The doing is the learning. Right? That's the learning in action. So you could sit back and watch all the Udemy courses and read whatever on YouTube, but ultimately you need to fire up a Jupyter notebook. You need to get some data. You need to define a problem statement and you need to go from raw data to decision and practice data science in action, right? So, and you do that enough. You need to start doing that over and over and over again. So do a bunch of small projects for yourself to take what you have learned, right? And okay. apply it, put it in motion and and start doing stuff, right? And like, there's not like a best problem. There's not a best project. Like, what are you interested in? Define for yourself what it is that you are interested in doing, right? And then around that, create a roadmap to say, okay, great. I'm interested in finding out, I don't know, number of traffic accidents that happen in my city. Great. Like, I don't know, I want to explore th- that phenomenon. Okay, great. Where do I get the data? Once I get the data, how am I going to clean it? How am I going to then do some exploration? Am I going to do any type of statistical analysis? Am I trying to do a predictive analysis? Am I trying to make an inference? Like, What is it that I'm trying to do? And define it for yourself each step of the way. And that's how you practice becoming a data scientist. So that's the, the roadmap is great. Learned all the stuff. That's great. Um, you need to apply it and do something with it. Because nobody's going to hire. Like, I mean, think about it. Imagine if a textbook walked into a job application. The textbook has all the knowledge, right? But nobody hires a textbook, right? Because a textbook doesn't do anything, right? So, like, you know, it's just just imagine that. Just imagine, like, a textbook with legs walks into an interview, answers every question absolutely great um, because it has all the information in it but still can't do anything,
3: right? Okay, yes. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah, I, I want... But here is some... Uh, well, I, I I bought one course from a uh, Lafe platform that uh, worked from Canadian, uh, but he teach the uh, R language, and I I already worked on Python language. I, I some small projects. I work on small projects and uh, clean the data through Python and the, that's why I'm a little bit confused that which language I will pick. I that's the least
0: that. important question that you should be asking, right? It doesn't matter. like It literally doesn't matter because you can learn one language, you can use learn any language. So the problem like Python or, or R, that does not make a data scientist, right? That's not what defines your ultimate career path because 10 years from now, the language might change. Hell, three, four years from now, the language might change. So that's not the issue. Uh, pick whatever you already know. If you've done Python and you're comfortable with Python, great. Take that, run with it and start doing stuff with that. Uh, it doesn't matter. Like the 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 point about which programming language I should learn is like the least important question that you should be asking right now. The most important question you should be asking right now is what is an interesting problem that I want to attempt to take my skill set and apply it towards and do something with, Right. With what I've known so far?
3: Basically, um, uh, from two years, I'm making software for connecting doctors, patients, laboratories, and pharmacies on one platform. Um, with, with my study, I start small software development company. I work on uh, on it and uh, uh, deal with different developers. Uh, but, uh, you know, I I my I want to work on medical data. That's why, because we collected medical data from different doctors, hospitals, that's why in the future I want uh, to build a medical data company and work yeah. on I
0: mean, If you got software skills, you're already halfway there, right? More than halfway there. So if you want to work with medical data, like, I, I mean, I don't know, how you can get your hands on that there's definitely open data portals around there where you can just look for medical data whatever um and start doing stuff i'll leave that up to you i don't know how you're going to source medical data because that is kind of confidential but at least at least you have an idea of what it is that you want to do so you can look at some open open data portals right i think the world health organization might have an open data portal where you can get data from and just start doing things with it um but it, it's just all a matter of just applying what you've learned so far Hopefully that makes sense.
3: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I understand.
0: Yeah. And it looks like there's a lot of medical data on Kaggle, so that's a great place to start. Um, so, yeah, I mean, think about just think about, okay, what like you need to sit down and think about for yourself. What problem am I interested in exploring? Right. It all starts from there. Any good thing that happens starts from a fundamental question, an interesting question. Right. And good things and interesting things don't start with hmm, what tools do I have available to me? Right. That's part of it. But part of it is like, what can I do with everything I've got available to me to solve an interesting problem and then try to try to solve that problem or, or inform your understanding of it? Right, Because if you're interested in it, then that is going to carry you along the entire process and it'll show in your quality of work and you'll show in your portfolio so that when you go and start applying for jobs, you can be like, hey, look at this really interesting question that I can guarantee nobody else has thought about because I'm uniquely interested in it. Right. I've developed a certain set of skills. I've acquired some specific knowledge through completing this project. And I can guarantee you that nobody else has done this except me. Right. That's the kind of thing you want to start doing.
3: OK, um, uh, if uh, I want to start my own business, data consultancy, that's fine. Yeah. If I, if I uh how many experience uh, are required for if I start my it's own uh, data science consultancy business?
0: I um, mean, yeah, I don't have the answer to that question. Um, you, you can start your consulting business right now, but are people going to hire you? Can you deliver on work results? Right? Do you have a proven track record? If somebody asks you and, and says, and you go up to somebody and say, hey, I'm going to be your data science consultant, let me do work for you. The first thing they're typically going to ask is, okay, great. Do you have any past projects I can look at to sense, get a sense of the type of work that you can do? Um, and if you start delivering results, the more results you start delivering, the more you are likely to get hired, right? <laughs> yeah. So... Like that, I don't know if that answers your question, but start delivering results, start doing things. The more things you do, the more tangible artifacts you have that demonstrates that you're able to do stuff, the easier it will be to, to start whatever business you want to.
3: Yeah, I, basically, I don't know uh, much about that. That's why I want to learn that, uh, how many businesses I can do from if I learn an expert in data science field. I
0: mean, data science is kind of universal the The process of taking raw data to decisions is agnostic of any industry. Um, just start doing stuff. I think you need to just start doing projects. Like, do you have a portfolio project? Like, if if I go to your GitHub and I look what's on there, is there going to be any indication to me that you are able to mm-hmm. do anything with data? Right. So that's the question okay. I'm asking right now. Is the yes or no answer. So if I was to go to your GitHub right now and look at your portfolios, is there anything on that portfolio that would indicate to me that I should have some level of trust in you? to execute on a data project that I need help with, right? If the answer to that question is no, then you need to start developing that portfolio because otherwise no one's going to hire you not for a job yes. or not for a consultancy okay. or freelancing or anything like that. So the first thing is just start doing projects, a bunch of projects, right? You need to okay. start doing that. So there's your roadmap to start doing some projects Okay, sure, sure. and how to do a project. Like that's not easy. That's difficult. That, I mean, yeah, that's, that's, it's, that's, that's where the learning is happens in action, right? Um, so yeah. yeah, it and it's an iterative process. It's an iterative process. You you start and you increment a little by little. Start with the data, start with the mean start with a problem statement, right? Yeah. With that problem statement, find some data that could help you make progress against that problem statement, set out an analysis plan that says these are the steps I'm going to follow, because if you know if you don't have a methodology in place and not really doing science, you're just doing random stuff, right? Define your methodology, okay. right? Define what you plan on looking at during the exploration phase. Define from that exploration phase, what statistical tests you might want to look at to examine any relationships that you see during that exploration phase. And then based on your problem statement, whether your problem statement indicates that you're looking to do some type of inference from a sample towards a population, or if you're trying to do some prediction, then proceed with building whatever type of model that you need to build, making sure that if you build out a model that you have at least some baseline of comparison that you can say, all right, I'm going to build a model. I know that I need to have a line in the sand that indicates whether or not this model is good. So let me start with the simplest possible model that will give me a decent result and then get more and more complex from there, right? And then once you've built your model, then how are you going to serve it, right? How are you going to How are you going to provide value from your predictions if you're looking to do a prediction, right? Some cases you might need to have a web API where somebody comes in, drops in information, and you get a prediction out. Or maybe it's good enough just to push it off to a database that people can query whenever they need the result. Or it's putting it in an Excel format, rather CSV format and shipping it to someone, right? These are all details that you need to figure out for yourself for whatever project you're working on. Okay. Right. So just pretend like you're in a business situation and operate from that context. And you do that several times right but then the two or three projects that are your best work that goes on to github okay. but you should be doing hundreds of projects okay, you. like you should be doing hundreds of experiments hundreds and hundreds of projects in order to get good small little projects nothing big nothing crazy just enough free to get code. comfortable yeah with the methodology yep. but then make sure that whatever is on your portfolio is the is fully fleshed out full complete representation of your technical ability
3: okay okay yeah yeah
0: thank Can you so for- much Yeah, go for it.
4: Um I was also coming from a technical background. By technical, I mean programming. The biggest mistake I did earlier on was ignoring statistics. I cannot insist and emphasize enough. You need to get the statistics down. I came in with the programming. Like, like you've said, you came in from programming. So you come in knowing all the code. Trust me, it'll be easy to pick up the libraries, but then you get to machine learning. Then you have the math behind it. You don't know why you're getting certain things. So I, the best course I started with was there's a course on Udemy it's called complete Bootcamp, complete data science bootcamp. It's really long, but it has it begins from the beginning from statistics to everything. You really learn the things you didn't learn. I would insist on the statistics part. Yeah, and on top that of that I have a question. Fundamental.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um to get to your question, but yeah, statistics is fundamental to machine learning, right? Machine learning is essentially statistics. <laughs> When I was in graduate school, it was called statistical learning. I took a few classes in statistical learning, which was rebranded as machine learning. So, yeah, so you've got a leg up coming from a programming background like me. On the other hand, I came from a statistics background, had to learn all the coding and all the stuff like that. So opposite ends of the spectrum. We're actually I think we're talking about this last week. It might have been. So take a look at um, last week's office hours that are up on the YouTube channel. We're having a similar discussion around this: uh, two paths to data science, or well, there's multiple paths, but these two common paths. Uh, but go on with your question, Asha.
4: So this it's going to be a bit of a long question. Okay. Please bear with me. Um, I so recently I volunteered with a company, with uh, let's call it an organization. It's called Horn International Organization. They help at-risk youth. Um. Okay, in Kenya, there's been a problem of people being recruited to, let me call it extremist groups, but they target the lower class, people who, who live be- below the poverty level because it's they offered a form of payment. And they mostly target about 14 to 23 years old. That's the age they really go for. So I came in trying to see how data analysis can work around. If you were coming into this, how do you think data analysis can help in the issues of extremism, issues regarding extremism in, I don't know how to put like that's the best way i'm thinking i can put it but i'm trying to see how you can we can actively predict when the recruiting is going to happen who they will be targeting if you were doing this what are the areas you would look at and what would be the things that would guide you
0: around this first of all you need you need you're essentially trying to classify or predict some probability that a particular youth is at risk of being targeted by some extreme extremist group right is that essentially what you're trying to do yes
1: yes exactly so
0: if that's the question then then all right do we have a data set out there No no
4: currently no. they them themselves they don't have any active data set but I the first place I started to walk through was I went and collected all the data for the economic status of the different areas how much people are earning because There was a census just the other day here, and they collect information like this, how much each household is earning. Then I was going to check on the list of the people who've been recruited, what were the common underlying, what is the common thing they were looking at. But I'm still finding a hard way, like I'm finding a very hard place to stand on in regards of what to look at.
0: You're going to run into all sorts of ethical dilemmas with this, right? Just from the nature of what it is that you're doing, first of all, like this is like, is machine learning the right weight like it's not probably not like like i don't think you machine learning should have any place in this type of situation um for sure uh so i would say i mean it's it all starts with do you have what, what data do you have available to you right if you're trying to make predictions you obviously have to have some type of of training data on which that says okay here's a particular individual that was recruited here are some factors or features about that person and then here's a similar person that you know was not recruited and here there you know bits of data i mean i think i don't know like this is this is a tough area because um just the ethics of it i think or what like trump do
4: you do you think data analysis of any sort can help and at least help in any way do you think there's is it applicable is it an applicable way to go around it because a lot like you've come to notice like initially people were thinking at least on this side The people were thinking that a lot of the recruitment was done on religion, so you could use religion as one of the things to look at. But then now it's no longer that. You can't look at that because it's money. People are being paid to do it consistently. And it's young kids. Do you think there's a way? Do you think it's technical? Do you think it can actually work?
0: No, not with machine learning. Not in this case. Not this machine far, learning of any sort. But just date. I mean, what what are you trying to do, right? If if yeah. like okay, great. Asha, yeah.
2: What's the end goal? I mean, yeah. are you trying to help the kids? Uh, uh. I guess I'm trying to understand your question. So the end goal is you want to help the kids. Uh, or or. or or maybe alert some government or organizations, hey, this is happening to the kids between age 14 to 23. We need to put a stop to it. Is that the end goal? Um, so that these people don't
4: recruit the kids? Or Are they illegally recruiting these kids? Is that what it is? Yes, for sure. For oh, sure it's illegal kids. because it's mm-hmm. extremist group specifically the group we're dealing with on this side is Al-Shabaab because of the Somali border. It's very close to here. So what mm-hmm. we were aiming to do is to target, um, we cannot approach government per se because we're targeting the lawmakers per se, the people who have a say in changing this and actually helping on the ground. So what I'm trying to target is, can we reduce the number of kids who are recruited every okay. year? Can well, we, how case- do we actively predict the people they'll be going to, they've been going to universities, but now we want to see what criteria are so they using? Because
2: okay, so yeah? so this group who are recruiting the fourteen to twenty-three year olds, uh, you say they are extremists. Are they recruiting from the universities, from homes, from schools?
4: So is that- um, they're recruiting from everywhere they're recruiting kids from universities they're recruiting kids who have not gone to school they just the rate of unemployment has been really high especially due to covid so that has given them the opportunity so they oh, okay. they're reaching out the thing is they're reaching out online is there a script like should I write a, a liquid crawler? To, run and check for things. How would you go about it? I'm trying to pick your brains on it.
2: So
0: reaching
4: them online. Okay.
2: this
0: is this is an area that I don't think is going to be appropriate to talk about on this channel, just because of the nature of the topic that you have. And um, just, you know, I'm going to tread lightly here. What I can say, I'm sorry, you should look into some research that's been done. For example, you know, here's something that you might want to look at, um, harnessing big data to respond to violent extremism.
4: Ah, nice. Um, Yes.
0: So there's research that's done just see what other people have done and try to let that inform your process. But um, I think like, I don't think any of us here are qualified to talk about how to use data science to combat recruitment to extreme groups. That's that's a touchy topic. Yes, Um, it is. I'm
4: sorry.
0: Yeah. And I wouldn't want to talk about that on, on Comet ML's uh, uh, office hours. So that being said, it's an interesting question. Um, I mean, I wish you the best in that particular uh, domain, but, start with just research, right? See what other people have done and try to have that inform your decision, right? So I guess what I can talk about is the process by which I'll go about trying to find answers to questions uh, that I don't know how to proceed with, right? Um, And just being able to research stuff and and use keywords uh, on Google searches is a huge um, huge bus, I think, is being able to, to adequately search. So maybe something you might want to do. Um, so looking at the thing I did here, I put data analysts, data analytics, extremist groups, right? We could do data analytics, extremist recruitment, right? And then we could s- limit it to educational sites, right? And we can distill it down to PDF, right? And see if there's any white papers that have been uh, written, right? Um, and, and try to see what other people have done so that's what i would recommend maybe play around with some combination of keywords to uh to try to find research that's been done um so here's another thing i can link you to as well um yeah so we'll we'll drop that right there for you that link and the other one that i had a second ago um but yeah so of course. uh, yeah yeah so, Torres, I saw you had your, your hand up. This is, a, I mean, this is a huge thing you're working on. I, would, I can also um, point you to another couple of uh, groups that use data for good and get you in touch with some people there, um, or rather get you in touch with the website so you can find people to, uh, to talk to. But yeah, Tor, go for it.
5: Uh, just uh, uh, technically a small follow up because one of the challenges I find when we talk about finding data online, um, yeah, there are services where you can purchase data. Um, but when I'm looking at you and you're doing your searches on Google, and you've got the chem- semicolons and the colons. And I mean, this, uh, w- where have you picked up and learned? the parameters you use for searching for data. That's one. And two, are there some uh, location, websites, or uh, other where you can actually go and find free data?
0: Yeah, so uh, for, for in terms of finding data, most major cities will have open data portals. So you can find a, any given city's open data portal and they'll have a, a wide variety of information um, for that city, for for example, I live in the city of Winnipeg in Canada, and we have an open data portal and they've got all sorts of interesting open data through this portal. For example've got a, they've got a data set that is of all the different trees that have been planted in the city of Winnipeg the type of tree the uh, neighborhood, the latitude longitude coordinates of it it's really fascinating how granular <laughs> this data set is and you can do some really interesting you know data science projects for that there's also a data set from the city of Winnipeg that's a distribution of all the parking tickets that have been given in the city and they've got the type of violations The time of day, the date, the uh, geographic location. And you can also tie that in with socioeconomic data, for example, census data about the neighborhoods. And you can combine data in these different ways so that you could do some type of statistical analysis, right? So, for example, naturally, one thing that you might want to do is okay, if I have the city of Winnipeg's data. That talks about the distribution of traffic tickets that were given, and that distribution is down to the neighborhood level and I also have data that is the neighborhood's socioeconomic stuff such as you know the crime rate, the median household income, average age, average household size, things like this. like this type of data is also available. I can combine data together and maybe perform some type of statistical hypothesis test. does the for example But a hypothesis could be, does the incidence of traffic uh, tickets increase as the um, median household income decreases, right? Will that help me inform whether or not police are adversely or disproportionately targeting poor neighborhoods and handing out more tickets there as they would in uh, richer neighborhoods, right? Is the distribution, mm. like, is there the same type of tickets being given in poor neighborhoods versus richer neighborhoods? Right? So it just opens a whole space of interesting possible questions that you might want to ask. You're only limited by your own curiosity and your own creativity in a process like this. Um, so definitely that, that's one source. Um, open data portals, you just look for your city name, open data portal. There's, um, oh man, a whole, whole host of because. Of-
5: so. For, for me, there says the, the dilemma I have right now, okay. As an example, I've been trying to find data on the amount of work and time that goes into preparing for, for an audit, okay, in my industry in oil and gas. And I have not been able to find anything. I've been on Google searching up and down and back and forth. Um, I ended up launching a small questionnaire just to see if I could get people in my network to start giving me some feedback. I do have my own personal experience, and also the time tracking that I've used on my own audits where I performed. So, you know, th- there is a, a start basically. The problem I have is to actually uh, how should I say confirm or support my uh, hypothesis. Put it that way. Yeah. Sometimes
0: so you have to create your own data, and surveys is something that you would have to do to. To get some of that data that you need, uh, but sorry, go for. Continue.
5: No, so so technically that, and that's exactly why I started that survey part of it. But on the other hand, I'm still having huge challenges uh, searching for data online. It's like that's why I'm kind of wondering if there are sources out there that have. You mentioned Winnipeg go Canada. I love Canada. I lived in Canada for many years. (laughs) I am Canadian. (laughs) Um, But for me, it's, um, I I found it very, very difficult to find data. Um, And that's why I'm just wondering if, you guys have certain sources. You mentioned like the city of Winnipeg. I'm sure Toronto has the same and, you know, New York, et cetera. Uh, but those are, in my mind, a little bit more demographical. But when you're looking more into uh, industry specifics, uh, there was mentioned here, um, uh, Kaggle, I think, was mentioned. Yeah, uh, Kaggle. Oh, Kaggle.
0: Kaggle, yeah, just, just a website that has a whole bunch of different um, competitions. And along with those competitions, there's typically data sets that are provided.
5: That they made then available to people attending, et cetera. So, yeah. so I'm just wondering if there is a place where you can kind of do a search on where to find data, uh, support data. Uh, is there a more of a professional site? And if not, shouldn't one be made?
0: Yeah, so... <laughs> there, there's just a whole host, a whole number of places. So I could show you something that um, that I've created that will be sent out as part of the Artisan Data Science uh, newsletter at some point in the future. But just to give you an idea. Um, so these are just different places that you can go for data sets, right? Uh, cool. So, I mean, th- this is not going to be released yet. I'm not going to be giving this out just yet. But uh, there's EU Open Data. There's DataUSA.io, which will give you government data. Uh, UK Data Service, that's an example. You can get data from uh, financial and economics data sets by going to the World Bank, IMF, right? So all of these places have all sorts of amazing open data portals.
5: Right, open source data portals, etc.
0: So Google Dataset Search is one place that is available for you to search through as well mm-hmm. so definitely take a look at that um and so like let's let's run with an example and let's try to i'll show you how i would go about trying to find data for a specific use case so what what is your use case again what is it you're trying to basically do?
5: i'm looking for uh preparation time or time spent on preparing for an audit average okay so That's something i've used
0: yeah so i would try to Try to start with just, you know, I use the, the quotes and everything. So data set, and then I could say uh, audit completion, right? Yeah,
5: audit preparation. Oh,
0: audit, All right. Yeah, that's fine. Um, if I could spell preparation, right? Uh, so we can look for data sets, right? And what do we have here? Maybe we've got uh, all sorts of different stuff here, but we can even go to a uh, Google dataset search search. Oh, this is trying to automatically download a PDF, which I don't want to do, um, but we can go to Google dataset search, right? Uh, I think it's called just data.google.com or datasets.google.com. Uh, am I still sharing my screen? Can you guys still yes, see? Yes, yes. Okay. It's working. Right. So we got the Google data set search. So maybe something we can type in here is just audit completion or preparation. Hi. Right? Uh,
5: there's my challenge. Yeah. <laughs>
0: All right. Uh, so you got audit risk data set for classifying fraudulent firms. OK, well, you know, you will have to kind of think.
5: Yeah, and, think and that's what here. I was looking for. This is exactly what I'm like. I just need some good starting points. I didn't even know about this data set search yeah, de- in Google. Yeah so you can
0: just go to Google and type in like dataset search and it will pop up but there's all sorts of stuff that you can kind of sift through in here and then what happens is you know maybe you'll find that okay well I don't have the data that I'm looking for but you still get links to different websites and you get links to scholarly searches right and if you can look at research papers that were done Most research papers would have accompanying data sets with it. Um, So you kind of just go down a rabbit hole and-
5: And disappear. Yeah, it
0: it does take time to find good data, but you could definitely track it down, right? Part of it is trying to find it straight up through a website, through some API, or you could try to find studies that were done in the field that or the uh, thing that you're interested in and see what studies for audit preparation time or audit completion time, what ac- dec- right. uh, academic studies were done uh, along the lines of this, because I'm sure you're not the first person who have, who's thought about doing something like this. And then go read the research and then in the references section, you can see, okay, great. They typically will have the data in the reference section or they'll link to where they're getting their data from. And you can use that as kind of a baseline. Right. Um, or just collect it yourself, which is time consuming and takes. And, it.
5: and technically, that takes me a little bit into the next ML related question, I think. Um, these tools, as I'm using tools that I've developed, which I am stating is going to save a user time. Now, What I'd like to do on the website, of course, is as people start using the tools, you wanna have that kind of ongoing confirmation that is continuing. Now, can that be integrated into some sort of an ML solution where the machine learning is Kind of following up on the time spent and what would i need to do to kind of track that
0: i mean that's a really difficult question to answer right from the get-go but depends on what it is you're trying to do right so like what what do you want the end solution to look like right
5: technically it's the the parameters that are involved okay In, in, in very simple terms i created a tool uh, with four parameters that you choose, and based on those four parameters, it will then estimate the resource and time required for performing an audit, okay? So you can do that in 10 seconds. Uh, you just put in the parameters, etc. Now, this is kind of very early in the stage. Later on, you will do the actual workflow processes in preparation where you – uh prepare the risk assessment and other things, we again, track, measured, time spent, etc. And then you physically do the audit. Again, you're tracking the time spent, what's been performed, not performed, etc. etc. And you have a summary. Now what I'd like to do is to have some sort of a a verification are the initial estimations that were made on time spent and recommended resources. How do they actually physically compare to the actual results? And then I want that to kind of feed back into the early stages to correct eventually if there are larger discrepancies. Now there are many other parameters that come into effect. One is where the location of this audit will be performed, which country, which continent. Uh, There's other parameters like uh, the company you're auditing. There is the team constituency, how you set up your audit team. There is uh, uh, the financial complexity, the risk assessment. So there's a lot of parameters that I know will go into these quote unquote algorithms or equations to start a measure. So for me, the, the, the initial stage is that I am I'm using my own experience, et cetera, to feed into the model now. But in time, I want the system to learn from all the various uh, variables and then feed back into the beginning again. I don't know if that makes sense or.
0: Yeah. Are you trying to ultimately are you trying to make a prediction? And is your prediction based on yes. historical data projecting forward?
5: It's it's a combination of historical Data, plus, plus like some rules. Plus a learning process of actual data, ongoing, to predict what's going to be the next stage and how the next stage will be performed. So yeah. that that's kind of like what I'm trying. And right now it's just a lot of ideas running around in my head. I know what I want, or <laughs> I think I know. But I'm finding it very difficult to kind of understand how ML and Praxis could support in that process.
0: Because I, mean, I am maybe, so maybe maybe it doesn't, right? Because if you're not right making prediction like on the fly real time, it sounds like a lot of what you're talking about is rules based. Like there's different rules that are gonna you know, govern
5: That's my Excel thinking, I think you're yeah. hearing. It's my Excel saying to me that for me to be able to predict or to adjust, right. I have to build all the rules, which is what I've done so far. But the the concept as a whole, it cannot be managed. It's not manageable. I already know. I have 24 people testing the tools that are created right now. And the data amount that's coming out just of those 24 testing is beyond even my own capabilities. Yeah. of. I mean, you probably,
0: even just in Excel, like if you just want to see if a machine learning thing is applicable, just try a simple linear regression and see what happens. It sounds like you have enough data or columns um as input just see if you can come up with a simple linear regression which is easily you know you can easily do that in uh in excel dave langer has a course that uh dave on data that you can check out but that might be a, a good first start just say, okay well can i do this with a simple linear regression if so how well do i do all right you know if, if it's with some ex- within some acceptable range then we can start seeing. OK, well, let's see if I could try some more complex, right? Maybe I want to move on to a random forest or a tree based methodology, which I think probably would work best in this case. Or uh, you're talking about learning from previous mistakes uh, incrementally that maybe a boosting type of algorithm might work. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, any any one of those, uh, Christoph, I see you have your
1: hand up. Uh, just a question to Tor, uh, Tor, are you interested in, in learning machine learning? I mean, like really learning?
5: I, I have to admit that I'm, I'm joining this to get a, try to get a better understanding of machine learning, artificial intelligence, etc. I don't think I ever will get to a point where I'm actually gonna do the physical programming, okay? The, to me, there are professionals out there like yourself and others that will be doing this on my behalf. However, to better communicate with those professionals like yourself and others, it is, I need to understand the language. I need to have a level of understanding that I can kind of create some sort of a, uh, it's like my relationship with my developer right now. All the models that's been created, I've created in Excel so that they're functioning models in Excel with its limitations. Then the developer takes that and then I explain, okay, here's the limitation in Excel that doesn't allow me to do this and this and this. And then he will actually do the programming to make sure that it works more as a database function uh, with the analysis part or whatever else that's required. So, so to me, I'm not here to, to become a data scientist or an analyst or any such thing. I, I see myself as a data analyst because it's what I do in my regular day-to-day work. Um, and I I do it even with my project that I'm working on, et cetera. But no, I'm not here to learn the programming itself, put it that way. To me, that will, uh, it will take too much. Why,
1: why do you say that? I mean, uh, if I understand you correctly, you've got already some experience with Excel and I assume some... Visual
5: basic? No, I the, the SQL basis that I have goes 20 years back in time uh, when I was just learning to create the queries, etc. cetera. Uh, I worked in some databases, but I, I'm, how should I say, I look at myself more as the high flyer a little bit. Like I have a lot of ideas and concepts, and yet I do... Uh, analysis in Excel at the moment. Uh, Is it easy? Should it be possible for me? Yeah, it should be. But given my time and present status at this moment, uh, I just don't have uh, how should I say? I I don't think I will benefit enough because I won't be using it. It's like how we mentioned, you know, if you're going to learn something, you have to use it to improve. It's not, you can be the textbook, but you have to utilize your learning to really get good at it. Now, when it comes to my Excel and the experience there, I've never taken an Excel course in my life. What I have done and how I started with Excel was that in the project I worked on, the procurement uh, manager, he had everything built up in Excel. And I was doing the controlling and business controlling, and I was just starting out with two plus two equals four and basically level. Now, over the next year and a half, we challenged each other. We gave each other challenges. Okay, how would you solve this with formulas? How would you build this? How would you do this in Excel? And over time, that's how I built my skills and, and really utilizing Excel to an extreme level without going into Visual Basic or macros or any such thing, okay? Um, for me, there's a cost benefit as well the cost of time put in uh i don't foresee that i would have enough benefit because like i said it's not something i need to do every day and in time um there are people that are going to be a lot better at doing it than i ever will be and those are the people i want to use in my project for example if that makes sense yeah
0: so for for this particular project that you're that you're Thinking about and try to think of this fit for any machine learning project going forward to see if it's applicable right ultimately at the end of the day in order for us to use machine learning we need to have a example set a training set of data that we can use to identify relationships with right so all these you know all this phenomenon you're trying to encapsulate and, and try to make a statement against start off by saying all right can i can i create a data set where it is here's one row for a particular audit And for this particular audit here are several columns that describe this particular audit and finally here's how long that audit took to prepare or whatever it is that you're Mm -hmm. interested in right and you know we have one row per audit with a number of bits of information about that one audit whether it's location whatever how how many different factors they have i don't know like you get what i'm saying though right like it has some features yeah. and you know you end up with the whole like you know one row for every single audit with all those features and how long it took, right? Then you make that your training step. If you can represent the phenomenon you're trying to understand in this type of tabular format, you've made one step towards potentially using some type of machine learning algorithm to learn from, right? Yeah. That, as a, I think, as a first step is what you need to do is, can I conceptualize this phenomenon into a tabular format, right? If I can, then great. I'm on the path to being able to do something.
5: So. Uh, I can give you a quick example. I have, for example, one of the tools is risk assessment where you have 27 people and you have a rating from one to five. So based on your request and the question that, you're asked, you then respond and there will be a rating. So this means that when you go through the 27, you answered all the questions, you're then calculating an overall um, should I say, a risk of that asset. Now, the next program that it moves into is that when you're actually gonna go into an audit, you need to have what they refer to as a work program. So from that risk assessment, you will then go through a new set of questions A new set of five variables per question which in turn will automatically generate this work program so here's you find the red line going through now when you get into the audit and you're working on the work program you will again start making documentation comments summaries etc and when you're finished you're going to bring that back and that's when it's going to be interesting to match what physically actually happened, the data you collected, what you analyzed and how you did, and then trace it all the way back to the original uh, risk levels that were generated in the original answers. The data sets that we're talking about here is just a question of imagination. That's the limitation of what you... But for me, what's important is to have that red line, And then uh, machine learning, uh, to me, is a solution to find the common ground throughout that process. Uh, so you maybe, can eliminate...
0: Yeah, that's, that's the... I mean, it depends on what your end goal is, right? But ultimately, just think about it this way. In order for any machine learning algorithm, whether it's depending on whatever task you want, whether it's pre- predicting some class, whether it's doing some type of clustering, whatever it is, is if if you can compress or uh, I mean, I hesitate to say compress, but if you can summarize and aggregate all of the the information from this real world data generating process down to one line and just have a set of examples where it's here's one phenomenon and everything that happened with that right and one row per phenomenon then you're on the right path right and mm. typically we're going to use machine learning to do some type of prediction or group stuff together or um you know class ultimately things. but what this want... like this like red line like thing that you're talking about like uh, that's that sounds to me completely rule-based you're not really making a prediction you're just trying to
5: the, the prediction comes in when the system in my mind uh like when I have X amount of users that are using this and doing the risk assessment going through the workflow, the next time I come in as a user uh, to do an assessment, a risk assessment, My goal is for the system to actually come back and give them indication based on the location, based on what was done before to give suggestions. Okay, so if I ranked this particular item as a very low risk, but yet my data set is actually telling me that that is not true. It's on average or in the past or historically, it showed that it's a very high risk. Then I want the system to actually come up with a bubble and just say listen this is what statistically or whatever you want to call it has happened in the past or in that area now are you sure that what you are saying is correct so
0: yeah the- so that def- definitely like like I said if, if if we have previous examples that we can say that historically this is what happens when we encounter something that has all of these features and right and then now you're just kind of de- de- you know, creating a software sim that will collect information, and that that those implementation details will be left to whatever developers you have. But the way you're framing it, yeah, can machine learning potentially help you in this situation? Yeah, is it going to be easy? Probably not and it will require a lot of effort, right? Because now you're right. talking about building an entire system. It's not like a simple Excel sheet where, right, you know what I mean? Like we just type mm-hmm. stuff into Excel and something's going to pop up and say, nope, actually you shouldn't do that, right? Like you yeah. know, you're designing an entire piece of software now, um, of which machine learning is going to be one tiny component. And that one tiny component can be, uh, you know, just alerting you that... You, you might potentially be entering a value that's not valid, right? I mean, mm-hmm. so now you now you're just de- describing a entire software architecture, right? Um, instead of just one piece of machine learning, can it be applicable here? Yeah, maybe. Um, it's definitely okay. possible. Uh, it's it's not is it's not easy where I, I I can just tell you, yeah, do this this and this and you've got your solution. But is it possible? Yeah, absolutely, it's possible in this case. So, how much time, energy, investment you want to put? How much development? know-how you have at your disposal. I'm not sure, but you'll need a significant bit of that.
5: And that is a challenge in the next round. And that's one of the reasons, as well as to meet this group of people, but also some other groups that are involved in, is to try and get a better understanding of the processes behind and leading up to. Because to me, uh, honestly, uh, like anybody that does data, data analysis, that to me is like... I, I don't see myself as a data analyst as such, but I do use data to achieve things. Um, and to me, that is the key for pretty much any job. I mean, every job is a data analysis. Uh, you have to evaluate whether it's uh, documents or contracts or data sets or whatever it is uh, to perform. But but like I said, for me, it's really the key to try to understand the principles behind and where it can be used. Uh, One of the challenges I'm facing today um, is that I'm talking to some other software companies, et cetera. They're using artificial intelligence, this, artificial intelligence, that. And, and to me, personally, I don't feel artificial intelligence is there. It, it's well, We're still talking logarithms and some sort of a black box with <laughs> algorithms in it. Um, but there's no real, I think they're using the term wrongly or incorrectly. Machine learning, different story. To me, that is more of a hands-on. It's something that is actually working. um, and, And to me, that is more the term that should be more regularly used. That's my personal opinion okay i don't know if you feel the same way but but the artificial intelligence for sure is just being thrown around as a magic word
0: yeah probably is most definitely <laughs> is. but you know, whatever like can't really change people's perception of it that's not no. really where, where I, <laughs> I don't really care about uh changing people's opinions and and how they
1: frame stuff uh
0: but let's open it up for one last question now okay. um, i see a,
1: a, i i just wanted to add that- Uh, something Uh, because i think many people don't realize that but machine learning is only a subfield of artificial intelligence i mean artificial intelligence is much bigger than machine learning so when they throw artificial intelligence into it they can also say machine learning i mean when they say machine learning they could have said artificial intelligence yeah it's just Mm -hmm. semantics right it's just it's just marketing semantics,
0: at the end of the day, right? Okay. It is just marketing semantics. However, you use it, whatever, right? <laughs> like yeah, that's what it is at the end of the day. It's it's marketing semantics. All right. So uh, Adeola, if you have a question, let me know. I know you've been sitting here quite patiently. Uh, hope I'm saying your name right, Adeola. If you got a question, feel free to unmute your mic and and uh, let us know. If not, I saw Jay had a question, maybe. So if you want to go.
2: Yeah, it's, it's more of an input on, on Thor's comment. Uh, Thor, I'm an internal auditor for a, for a biomedical company, and I read tons and tons of standard operating procedures to identify risk. And I can tell you it's a very painful process because I read tons of documents. I'm also trying, kind of like in your shoes, finding, trying to figure out if I can use uh ai to identify the risk in this uh processes and procedures and all that stuff and still i did find one company in canada who's somebody who's created this uh, internal audit for biomedical but uh, they don't they they they, they devised their own uh system i guess in auditing uh biomedical documents and stuff like that but yeah i'm in the same shoes too because the, the pipeline, you know, is, is, is long because you have to audit different departments, sales and customers and uh, department and, you know, FDA. And, and then you have to FDA the picture because they have to, you know, make sure that the, the biomedical chem- uh, assays they're producing is good and non-FDA products, FDA products. So, so I'm also thinking the same lines. is like, what can I do to automate this entire process? so that you know uh, i can do something much more useful you know and um yeah i'm still figuring that that part out like i want to i mean just automate the entire internal audit process and so i can do something else so and and the other thing is i think natural language processing will be a great one because when you're reading documents it's a lot of text and uh, you know you can definitely identify stuff. NLP can identify a lot of things and, you know, kind of alert stuff, but I, I don't know how to go about doing it. It's a huge project in my head, and I'm still trying to learn NLP while doing this at the same time.
0: Yeah. but you don't need to do it yourself. There are products mm-hmm. out there that are developed so that they take these massive documents and compress it down to give you the most important bits, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't have to re- necessarily reinvent the wheel if you can just mm-hmm. get your hands on these products to make your life easier. Um, again, I was going to say, you can look up quote unquote internal audit, quote unquote machine learning. And you can see that this is an area that people are are exploring, right? So you guys definitely aren't the only ones looking into how to do this. My recommendation is always just to kind of read through the research. Yeah. Yeah. And, and see what other people have done. So here I, I tend to just, I like to read white papers that are more uh, academic just because that's me. Um, you can look at blog posts and stuff, which, more high level that hopefully have references to other places that you can go yeah. and learn more from. But yeah, like it's, it's a thing, right? Internal audit machine learning. Um, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, this
2: is great. Yeah. Cause I, 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 if somebody has already done this or already have like a, like a GitHub repo or something like that has already been done, I would love to take that and repurpose it for, you know, our organization. <laughs> that would be great. I mean, it's from yeah. me the entire thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, they probably won't find a GitHub repo for, repo for it, but we can always check. <laughs> yeah. uh, but you can see what other people have done and and mm-hmm. be inspired by their process and apply that to to what you are are working on. And I, mean, mm-hmm. I do I tend to do this quite often, so I spend yeah. a lot of time doing research yes. and stuff.
5: If I'm I'm doing the exact same research because this is something that I want to integrate into my own software solution which is targeting the oil and gas industry. But right now, today and this past few days, I've been looking into Teammate, um, who truly has advanced quite a lot since the initial stage a few years back when it was just a simple software so package. Um, but they're definitely moving in that direction and they are specialized also. I wouldn't say specialized, but they do offer for the biochem industry and among others. So you might want to have a look. I'll send you a link on Teammate um, Solution and you can look into them.
2: Okay, yes, Sounds great. Yeah.
5: NLP is definitely a way to go because personally, when I go into an audit, um, I will be reviewing between 15 and 20 contracts. Mm -hmm. I would love to have a tool that would just skim that entire contract, pick out all the terms and conditions, match it, give me page references, I still need to go in and read. But if I could just get a page Mm -hmm. reference, that alone would be a huge, huge help for me to do my job. Instead of going through the index and page by page by page, I can then go directly to click on that. It brings up the page. The paragraph is yellowed out. Um, You know, that's how you should be able to do it. Um, Exactly. What
2: happens for me is I audit the, the standard operating procedures and then I have... And then I have to interview the individuals who are working the department, go step by step. Is this the process working on huh? And, you know, or why aren't you doing this step? Is this form being used? And if the form is being, are you following the step? So there's a lot of manual work involved. So that's why I think NLP or any other tool out there can automate this entire process and
0: then you know there There are software solutions that exist that i implore you to look at you don't have to build stuff up from Mm -hmm. scratch it'll take you forever right and leverage other people's experience and and stuff on this i'll let you two talk about this offline (laughs) so uh any other questions last time for for a question otherwise we could begin to wrap it up i see Christoph has a quick non data science related question. That's fine. Also
1: not important. So if you're in hurry, then we can wrap it up for today.
0: No, no, no worries. If you got a quick question, we can, uh... okay,
1: okay. Because I, I'm just curious. And I think it's, it's the question on you Harpreet because your, uh, network on LinkedIn is like a hundred times bigger than mine. Uh, so my question is, did you already deal with haters?
0: Um, yeah. Like I'd, I'd post some stuff and then people will just like comment on there. Like, Oh, well that's not, what about this thing? What, what about that thing? And I was like, okay, well dude, I've got 1300 characters and maybe a few slides. Like I'm not going to cover, this is not a academic research paper. Like, yeah, great. Thank you for your input. Um, Appreciate it. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, like I just, I don't really care about those people right? or if you, if you, if you have, Nothing better to do than try to uh, nitpick the semantics or uh, talk about some really obscure edge case related to my post and see, yeah.
1: Just me, I see.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, at first I was worried about it. Right, at first I'd get so worked up. People like would comment or or say something because I missed one piece or, or maybe they just didn't agree with it. And it was like, all right, well, cool. That's that's all right, man. You are completely entitled to your opinion. And I'm completely entitled to not care about it, right? Um, so you know, just that's as much as people are entitled to say whatever the hell they want. I can just ignore it and just not let it even affect me. Right? So I see, but yeah, don't worry about haters on LinkedIn. There's a lot of people.
1: No, I, I'm not worried. I, I was just like interested because there are different people, and it's obvious that what you do is great for the community, but because. There are so many different people. I was just Yeah. Asking myself, did you already have something that did you
0: experience <laughs> Yeah, it's possible, man. Possible people people probably if if there's probably comments on YouTube, I haven't checked them, but there's probably comments on YouTube like this guy doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. And it's probably true. I don't. Like I just haven't seen like every single use case of machine learning that ever existed right like that's the beautiful thing about this field I'm always going to be a learner I'm always going to be learning things I'll never be an expert in data science and I don't want to be an expert in data science because I always want to be learning right I always want to be pushing to the next level and if it comes to a point where I do become an expert in data science well then let me try to find an intersection with data science that is interesting that I could then start exploring Um, but yeah that's kind of my viewpoint on it I just I just,
1: Thank you. Yeah,
0: yeah. Don't. I encourage you can just post, keep posting, keep posting, and.
1: No, it, it wasn't about me, it really. Oh. It, it was like asking. Yeah. I, it was really out of curiosity. Yeah, yeah.
0: Right on, man. Um. Well. If there are any other questions, I want to give Adeola a chance to ask a question because Adeola has been sitting here patiently. So if you have a question, my friend, please let us know this is your opportunity to go up. Uh, does not look like you have a question. Asha, do you have any last-minute questions or anything? Because I know you were uh, having connectivity yes. issues.
4: Yes, today I do not know why I keep dropping off my internet provider. Is not on my best side today. Um, So I have a question. <laughs> Sorry. I have a question in regards to data science. I enjoy the work. Is there a field in data science where you do not have to be forward facing with people? Yeah, do you get know what exactly. I mean?
3: Yeah. I what mean, would you recommend?
4: A,
0: there's, there's, a, a, with any, I think any technical career path, there's always two different routes you can go, right? Typically, if you want to go on that management route, then you'll have to be dealing with people and you know forward facing and, and things like that. But they also have there are also paths where you can climb up the ladder and just be a technical employee, but still get paid just as much as like a manager would. Um, And I think that's, that's a, a huge thing in the tech field. I think is that there's actually parallel career paths. You can continue to move up and just work primarily on building models and writing code and things like that. You'd probably more likely be in an engineering type of position. So maybe data engineer, machine learning engineer, or research data scientist, um, those type of roles, if you're working, I think, in a product data scientist kind of role, you're probably more likely going to be working with um, people in in that case. Does that kind of answer your question? Sorry, I saw somebody waving. Did, oh, that was Christoph just bouncing out. Um, Asha, did that kind of answer your question?
4: Yes, yes, it did. And I also saw on the email you sent out and the newsletter there was there was a resource you had attached for communication which also helped so thank you for that one
0: nice w- which one was that i forgot
4: i have to open up my phone i'm sorry okay. my network is a bit shaky
0: yeah, yeah no, no worries well i'm glad you time. found it useful i'm really glad you found it useful um i tried to give away as much stuff as possible through the newsletter so hopefully that was helpful um but yeah there's you can you can climb up the ranks in data science without having a forward-facing or managerial role, those type of career paths do exist where technical people can move up. Um, You know, Google is a great example of this. Google kind of has two career paths, right, where you're um, just moving your way up in technical role, but not having to deal with the communication, storytelling, people aspect of it. Um, And most companies have tracks like this.
4: So So in the meantime, I have to work till I get there?
0: Um, Yeah, I mean, it depends on the organization that you are in and the culture of the organization right sometimes if you're in a small startup you have no choice but you have to 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 deal and work with with people right but in larger organizations they typically have multiple career paths right yeah thank you you. do you not not like working with people for some reason
4: Uh, no i just sometimes i tend to be very introverted and very get lost in the computer and i would rather get lost in the computer forever if i could but clearly it's not aligning correctly with my path right now. So if there was an option to stick to that, that you pointed me to, so thank you.
0: Yeah, probably machine learning engineer, data engineer type of roles, most likely guaranteed you will be lost in computers all day. So those are two pads right off the bat. Data science roles themselves, they could be either or, right? You could be data scientist that's just researching and doing stuff or working on products so something is available for you there uh for your thank you. personality type all right cool man well it looks like there's no other questions thank you guys so much for uh being patient as we got this started a little bit later than usual um be sure to check out the podcast released a awesome interview a couple of days ago with dr paul Thagard. he's a cognitive scientist philosopher we talked about ai ethics Um, He is teaching out at the University of Waterloo in Canada. He's professor emeritus from there, which is pretty awesome. Waterloo is like the Harvard of Canada, I think it's been called. That or the MIT of Canada. Um, So definitely uh, had a great conversation with him. And there's office hours coming up next Friday as well. right? So make sure you join us for that. And again, next Sunday at the same time. All right, guys, we'll take care. Have a good rest of the weekend. Remember, you've got one life on this planet. Why not try to do something big? Cheers, everyone.
2: Cheers.